Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Transfer Portal CFB podcast brought to you by No Context College Football. I'm Brendan Heffernan, back again to chop it up with my man, Mark Thomas. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, brother. Always, ha- always happy to be on the pod with you. Ready to get the pod and talk some little college football, spring ball. Actually, I'm ready for it. Let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a time for optimism around the sport, you know, seeing, seeing a lot of inter squad games, uh, you know, this past weekend, there's going to be quite a few more this weekend going forward as spring practices come to a conclusion all around the country. And, you know, just to get started, something, you know, I wanted to check in with you on is what do you think, you know, is sort of the value kind of from an outsider perspective in terms of looking around the country, checking out these spring games, like what do you think can really be learned from these types of exhibitions? I mean, obviously, you know, there's not going to be a lot of uh, huge playbook. Okay. But, yeah, you're not going to see a lot of uh, – you're going to see a lot of uh, offensive and defensive things of vanilla down, uh, not a lot of uh, blitz and anything like that, not a lot of things to, like, put out there already, like, that you're going to show throughout the season. Um, but, no, as far as, uh, like, the Jimmys and Joes is concerned, you're not going to see – you're going to – you want to see how, how guys improved over the offseason, how guys looked uh, as far as um, – from a physical standpoint, as far as like uh, just overall strength and the way that their body types looks uh, over from last season, um, but you also want to see how they have developed over the, the course of spring ball. Um, have they gotten better in their technique? Have they gotten better um, in being uh, a vocal leader for those who are in that uh, upper class and captain role? Are they are they taking on that that role uh, in 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 a good way? Um, so, and then obviously with the quarterback position, you want to see, uh, depending on who the, who it is, I mean, if it's a, if it's a guy like Caleb Williams, you're not going to see a lot because you kind of already know what he is. But like for Doe, for like the situation at Ar- or at Auburn, we could say like T- has TJ Philly developed? Has Robbie, what does Robbie Ashford, Ashford look like? Is he a better passer? Uh, what does uh, these guys have? have uh, improve over over the course of spring, so that you're not going to see a lot, but you but you definitely want to see a step forward with your with with the team. So, for sure, for sure, you know, I think something I found, you know, taking in uh, the games like this spring and in the past is a lot of times, sort of, you know, uh, as you mentioned, you know, the offenses are going to be pretty. They're going to play it pretty close to you know maybe what uh, teams already expect from them. You know, you're not going to see. Um, like you said, you know, maybe kind of a, a more vanilla uh, sort of setup, maybe some more, more basic plays. And I think I find a lot of times, you know, as you, you mentioned, even with the, the quarterbacks, some of the finer points uh, of, of, you know, the, those sorts of uh, uh, those sorts of systems can kind of, you know, look a little tough, <laughs> you know, and I, a lot of times that stuff, um, you know, I try not to put a ton of, of stock into like, you know, the actual production that you might see in a spring game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you're looking for guys, you know, particularly people who were in sort of maybe a borderline contributor role uh, the year before that are going to be um, leaned on to be to be a potential starter. You know, you want to see, uh, you know, as you mentioned, sort of maybe a, a, a physique change, you know, what they, they're looking like after after the win, uh, winter workouts, um, after that period, after, you know, those first 15 practices, you know, that's something that that you can see in sort of, you know you know, maybe read into uh, a little bit. 
Uh, and also, you know, you're just looking for competition. You know, you want to see, you want to see, um, you know, folks flying around and, uh, you know, communicating, especially on, on the defensive end, you know, th- those are all things that I think are certainly fair to expect to see, um, you know, as a fan. And, you know, those are sort of the points you're looking for um, rather than maybe necessarily charting, <laughs> um, you know, the production that that you see on there and sort of dovetailing with that conversation. I think, you know, the most uh, buzz I've seen with any, any spring game so far in terms of levels of, of online co- you know, conversation and some sort of <laughs> to varying degrees of, uh, of legitimacy, um, as has been the Texas, you know, and I think that, that is certainly something that shouldn't come as a surprise given, you know, the various levels of intrigue that's been there with their quarterback situation with, you know, when yours is the obvious, you know, starter at this point, you know, the Sarks put his foot down on that. And I think that shouldn't come as any great surprise, but, you know, I Arch Manning came out in the spring game and sort sort of as I was kind of alluding to, you know, I think was a good example. You saw maybe uh, different clips going on around on the internet that have led people to some drastic conclusions about him. Um, and I mean, so what what was your impression sort of 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 him and of the, you know, all three of the quarterbacks that you know were out there for Texas um, last weekend? Yeah, um, I mean, well, Arch Manning, we know he's a freshman. Um, he looked like a Freshman, he looks like he really hasn't been coached. Mm-hmm. Um, we can say he's not talented, but that doesn't really prove anything. He's in the spring game. He this is what three months of college yeah. football, fifteen um, practices, <laughs> right? So we can't really, really evaluate like we like in society that we like to be of the moment. People we have to be reactionary on what mm-hmm. we see at that very moment instead of just letting this kid grow. Like. Yeah, he came in with all the hype and this. I, I mean, me personally, coming out, I didn't see him being the 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 perfect rated quarterback. I just, I just didn't see it. So, I mean, with the with the last name and then on top of these recruiting sites giving him that that ranking already, it, it put unnecessary pressure on that kid. I mean, for no apparent reason. I mean, if you want to be honest, if you take the man in name off of Arch, he's about a eh, maybe a three. Four star. I mean, if you want to be nice, give him a four star. But he just he just didn't stand out to me. But he does have some physical tools. He does have some. He does have something that can be developed and coached. Now, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure knowing who, knowing his pedigree, knowing his background, and his family, he's going to take the coaching and he's going to be a, a, a good player. He probably won't be a top NFL quarterback, but he will be a decent to good college quarterback mm-hmm. somewhere down the line. But I think people would like to forget that, like we want to put like it was crazy. People were talking crazy saying that ours would take Quinn's spot, but we don't. Yeah. But do we not realize like Quinn Ewers was that same type of prospect that Arch was coming out? He was a perfect rated quarterback, but the difference yeah. is Quinn has Quinn. Well, coming out of high school, Quinn was like that guy. Like he mm-hmm. really was. He 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 had the the moxie with it along along with the physical capabilities to be a top-level college quarterback. Um, him playing, obviously, at South Lake Carroll, um, yeah. competing for state titles down there. Uh, I mean, obviously, we know the the, the QB history down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was he was one of the best. So, with him coming out, like, he was the exact same guy. So, for people to try to just push push him out the way is disrespectful to him. Um, sure. But also, but also, I think the key guy that's missing that not a lot of people are talking about is Malik Murphy. Yeah, this, this kid, 
this kid is special. I think if he wants to, if he wants to really play and really have a chance to really compete for a starting job, I think he needs to call Hugh Freeze right now. After the spring game, I'm going to keep on pounding the table. If he needs an agent, I'm here for him. I will speak on his behalf because that that kid can really play as a quarterback. He's really – like he as a quarterback coming out of high school, he was a raw talent. Mm-hmm. But him being up to Sark's development, he you can see he's starting to learn how to play the quarterback position at a high level. And, man, he's easily will be QB too. Like him and Art, there's, there's no comparison in it. But there's no comparison in it because Malik has that year – that that couple years of college football yeah. development. So you see like what Sark is doing down there. He's doing great things. But people need to just slow it down to let Arch be a freshman, let Arch learn, let Arch make these mistakes and let him grow as a college player. That's 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 how you get better. Mm-hmm. Like we we expect too many freshmen because a lot of because you see a lot of freshmen today come in the game and just and just ball out more so than you ever seen before because they have just the great talent and the and they all and they dump you down the offense. But yeah. in this case, let that kid grow, come into the system, learn how to play quarterback position, and I think he would be all right. Texas fans just chill out with all this college football fans, chill out. Let the kid grow. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're you're talking about him, he's 17 years old right now. I mean, uh when when Quinn was at Ohio State, you know, in that same early enrollee situation, like he wasn't playing. You know, the expectation wasn't for him to come in and start. And I think, you know, uh, I, I was struggling to gauge, you know, with some, some of the reactions. Like, you know, you said there were a few, you know, very sort of viral, you know, uh, posts. But I, a lot of it didn't feel like it was necessarily from people who are closely associated with the Texas uh, program. It was more maybe quasi-national commentators or or people at other schools who were who were sort of uh, latching on to this and sort of pushing this narrative about Arch, uh, because I'm not sure how many Texas fans really expected him to be the to be the starter this year. You know, I think it, it makes a lot more sense for him. Uh, I mean, I think the fact that he chose Texas was with the understanding that he was going to be redshirting, you know, and wasn't going to be, um, you know, the guy right away. I mean, I think uh you know so, so seeing him at uh Isidore Newman High School in, here in New Orleans um you know I I understand you know levels of why he got the rating he did I mean I think I agree I think you know the near perfect you know all-time generational prospect thing I, I don't necessarily see it myself either uh but I see him as being a potential pro for sure you know stuff you see with him um you know things things of him in high school making you know like a lot of tight window throws, making throws off platform and, you know, being a, a high level athlete too, uh, especially, you know, for just being how, how tall he is. And I think you could see him sort of fill out his frame um, over like the next 18 months. And you, you're talking about something like something pretty, pretty special there, you know, if a, if a few things click for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, a lot of it was, was very silly and I think sort of exemplifies some of <laughs> the problems with overreacting to the spring. Cause you know, you, you're getting a kid, which if you're judging him, like specifically by his peers, which, you know, obviously he's in college now, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, he's on that, that big boy stage, but I mean like how many 17 year old quarterbacks are taking snaps in spring games across the country? Not very many, not very many are, are, are in that position at all. And so I think it's almost like, you know, uh, it's one of those, things that I think is really tough for him with, you know, the level of uh, 
visibility he's had since he was probably, I'd say maybe the last two years, since he was really his sophomore year uh, in high school, he's been, you know, had the spotlight on him, you know, obviously uh, probably the most talked about high school recruit um, that I can remember, you know, uh, certainly in like the social media era, I think uh, he's, he's probably had a pretty singular experience for, you know, a bunch of reasons that should be pretty obvious. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm optimistic for, for him still. I mean, I think, you know, it's tough because this is going to be a taste of, I think what he's going to have to deal with, uh, for his whole career in college, you know, he's going to have that, that spotlight and that magnifying glass, whether it's fair or not, um, on him. And I think, you know, the really interesting question is going to be what ends up happening with him and Malik Murphy. Cause I thought he did look really impressive from just like a zip perspective you know throw uh throwing the ball uh he looked you know really outstanding he looks like a high high power five type quarterback so that is going to be something uh to monitor and i think it's too early obviously to say anything particularly definitive about that but uh, as you mentioned i think uh the the two deep at qb is probably going to be quinn and malik um which i think is you know a solid situation but you know, people talking about Archer just with with it with that context. People talking about Archer already being like, "Oh, he's he's gone. He's transferring." If he's you know the third string this year, and I think that's, I think that's silly. You know, uh, just given how young he is, and also you know him <laughs> and the people around him wouldn't have had him go there because it's not like they didn't know what the talent in that room uh, at Texas would have been. Like, I don't think. Uh, the idea would be to just go and bail. Um, but, you know, it will be interesting and something to monitor just given also some levels of the history of, you know, the influence that the Manning family is able to have, you know, when their uh, progeny are, are, are within a college football program, you know, they definitely uh, carry a lot of weight, you know, there's like with, with coaches and whatnot, there's history of that. So I think that's something to be aware of and just as monitoring, you know, all the different personalities and, and things that play around the Texas program, you know, uh, I mean, it's interesting. It's going to continue to be interesting, but uh, I think right now, just in the context of a spring game, you know, there's very little in terms of, of on-field insight into him that I think we, we really have at this point, but moving maybe to some, some teams and some, uh, you know, players that I, we feel we have a, a bigger data set on, you know, what were, you know, with some of the, broader scheme of uh, of the spring games we've seen so far what are some you know programs or units or players that that sort have sort of stood out to you oh i mean i think jj mccarthy at michigan is starting to make some positive strides um in the spring game i saw him just he looked a little bit different right his his mechanics mm-hmm. looked better um his, his presence in the pocket looked look, look kind of better from from last year he started put got some zip on the ball a little bit making those Throws from the hashes, like I, I like, I like, I like the, the 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 progress he's made so far in the spring. So I mean, obviously with Sharon Moore, um, in the offensive line, I mean they play good. Even though the the guy, the majority of the starters that that or the projected starters, shall I say, uh, going into the fall didn't play much. Uh, I think they look the, the backups look really good. Uh, I think. Uh, just from a technique standpoint, I think I mean they're they're starting to build that kind of like that Iowa mode a little bit. Yeah, kind of like like they're they're trying to be the new old line. You almost um, yeah. just from a technical standpoint. I agree with that. 
you know, just like, you know, from just base box to doubling to getting up to linebackers and being able to cut guys off, getting over getting up to the back of the way a little bit. Um, but no, nah, I mean I, I like I like what they've done up there in Michigan. I, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna keep it short. But uh, also I'm gonna give give some love to Dry Course Hunter uh down at Auburn. I think that kid's probably gonna be the best back in the SEC. You can quote me on that. That kid has the total package, and I don't see anybody. No run. I don't. Th I don't see the running back that's touching him. I just don't. Yeah. That kid. He he he's a powerful runner. He got some wiggle to him. I I I can't wait to see him in this Hugh Freeze offense. This I just can't wait, man. And then hopefully, I think Auburn's offensive line too with the transfers they've gotten uh, coming in and play. Play. I think they're gonna help him out a whole lot and be physical. Um. So, so it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what this kid is gonna be all about. But I, do, but like I said, I do think he can be the best back in the SEC next year. Nice. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, back with with sort of with dovetailing sort of with the Michigan stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it with sort of how they built their offensive line. It's just ridiculously deep. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You know, one of the deepest units. Uh, you know maybe in any position group and in, in the whole sport. And I think, um, you know, they, they've really successfully, I think we're seeing it now two years in a row um, where they've really sort of built a, a, an identity that I think is sustainable for them. And I think if you were to, to map out what Michigan needs to be successful, and I think it's exactly that, you know, uh, it, in the nineties and, and the two thousands when they were, they were at their peak, um, you know, sort of in, in, into their modern era peak, I should say, uh, you know, under Lloyd Carr, that's sort of what they were looking like. You know, you had guys like Steve Hutchinson, um, Jake Lawton coming through there who are, you know, all-time all time players. Uh, and I think that's a legacy that, you know, and you're seeing it on the recruiting trail this year. I think that they've really, you know, established themselves maybe as, you know, the place that a lot of the, these, you know, high-level offensive linemen in the whole Midwest region are sort of looking to first, uh, you know, based on that play style, you know, like you were talking about, you know, the emphasis they put on the downhill run game, you know, you go there, you're going to have, <laughs> you know, a lot of chances to get work, a lot of double teams with other, you know, mm -hmm. insane hog mollies. So uh, I think that's absolutely, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot to be encouraged there. And they're, they're bringing back a lot of talent, you know, especially, uh, you know, with so, sort of some of the faces of their team, you know, that you mentioned with JJ McCarthy, you got Blood Corum coming back, you know, uh, they're, they're going to have, you know, five outstanding starters on their offensive line, you know, however it works out. I mean, there's, you know, folks we know about for sure, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you think the, uh, they're at a place that you think that they can take that next step and get, get to the title game this year. Um, I've always said Michigan is always going to be that team that they're always going to get there, but they're never going to finish. But I think the key would be just having elite quarterback play. Mm -hmm. Now, JJ has the capability to be an elite college quarterback, but it just depends on can Harbaugh like put him in like just like make those key adjustments when the when the time mm -hmm. is right for him. and to make JJ put JJ in a position to succeed whenever it's time to. But also, I think on the back end, when we talk about the uh, the defense, I think you need, like, more speed. I'll, I've always said, like, they have to like – Michigan has to be at a place where they have to just put a bunch of athletes out on the field defensively mm -hmm. and guys that can just get to the sure. wall, uh, guys that can – in the front seven, get guys that can come downhill 
that fit the bra very well. If they could, if they could get that, if they could get that component of the defense correct, I think everything else falls into place. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously they've had a lot of uh really high level uh front seven defensive line talent come through there the last two years. So certainly like to see that uh that continue for them um in that area. But yeah, I think you know, with JJ last year, I think we definitely saw him get to a level of just smoothness and consistentness that I think, you know, uh looked really great. And I think there is potentially like a next step there. Um that would that would potentially push them um you know over the top uh but you know sticking in big 10 country um team that i i really uh you know and and looking forward to this year is the usc trojans <laughs> uh, yeah you know i think that there's just a, a really bananas level of offensive talent that's going to be on that squad this year i mean i don't know how many of their actual structural issues from last year they necessarily fixed, you know, particularly with the defense. But right now I'm, I'm fine just being excited about watching this team uh, play offense in the fall. I mean, I think you talk about the level of uh, running back talent they're going to have, you know, protect, potentially three really solid to high level power five type running backs and uh, Austin Jones, Quentin Joyner and uh, Marshawn Lloyd. You know, those are three guys that I think um, a lot of teams would would want as their number one, you know, going into the season. So, I mean, what what's your impression of uh, of these USC Trojans uh, going forward? And I mean, obviously, we know uh, what that they can put up some points, and I think they're going to build on it in year two. Um, well, I will say this: um, what they do in the pack, they ain't gonna be able to get away with it in Big Ten. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. You got to be able to run the ball out here, man. It get cold. It get cold out here, man. Especially off that lake front Evanston, Illinois, it gets very, very cold. All right. Sure. Just letting the West Coast people know it's a little ball, ball balls play a little different out here. But no, man, I mean, obviously we know what Lake Riley and Caleb Wilson and these guys, we we know what they're capable of doing offensively. I mean, they're gonna be a juggernaut this year. Uh, but my concern is the defense now. I don't know. There's streets is talking. They saying they might get some big talent. Coming in at this upcoming transfer portal season, I'm oh, not yeah? putting anything out there, but that's what the streets is telling me. They saying they need they, they they might they might be bringing in some heavy hitters up in the front seven. So I'm definitely looking forward yeah. to seeing that. Hopefully, it may happen. And if it does, we might be talking USC playoff. If it does, oh yeah, if it does, I think it's what's been going on. I'm mean, just for me covering the Pac-12 for for the last for the later couple of years. I'm just kind of paying attention to like the uh, West Coast football in general. Um, it seemed like they're just a little, I guess, quote unquote, like lighting the ass a little bit on the defensive sure. line. Like they've all, they're not, they don't have like a lot of like weight and size up front. Guys have been like uh, kind of like misplaced and put out of position a little bit. So it's kind of been funky out there at USC. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Alex Grinch is going to do a better job this year. I, I, I hopefully he will do a better job this year because obviously yeah. he has. Some baggage with his defenses and different stops, and different stops that he's been at. Um, but I, I mean, they're gonna score points. We just we just hope the defense can make stops to where mm-hmm. the offense can can kind of like put it on cruise for a little bit. So I, I mean, I think this USC team would be special. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't I don't really see no 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 bumps or, or bruises on this team. I, I think it should be smooth mm-hmm. sailing. I mean, for the last year in the pack, so. Let's just see yeah. what it shows for. Yeah, you know, I think uh, 
you, you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, I personally think that the the goal for this team should be the playoff. You know, never, you know, to make that last four-team playoff, I think, would be, um, you know, a, a major accomplishment and something that would really put, uh, you know, folks on notice as sort of they enter into the Big Ten. Um, and I think they have the capabilities to do it. Um, I think that Alex Grinch is also probably coaching for his job. This year, like I think there needs to be a year over year improvement and a significant improvement. Um, over last year, I, I just don't think I don't think it was good enough, you know. Um, and I think, you know, they got some grace just because it was it was uh Lincoln Riley's first year, uh, you know, to to sort of bring it around for for a second, uh second go around just to, you know, see if there's improvement potentially with, you know, you get get folks in that infrastructure for a little longer, maybe something clicks, you know, but I think if 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 it's not something you know markedly better, um, if if it's not something that you feel like the offense has a different you know rhythm that they can they can count on, you know, uh, if you're not you know making stops as you said, you know, consistently just like playing good good ball on that side, I think you know they they can't afford to just run it back, you know, uh, especially just with the potential that's at that school, you know, the potential to just like be such a monster, you know, I mean, we've already seen the influx of talent they've been able to bring in on the, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, uh, they, they should absolutely be in that same level of, of production um, on defense. Um, You know, just sort of, sort of circling back also to what you said about, uh, you know, just sort of West coast football with regards to, I think it's very interesting you know, with just how they're sort of producing linemen now, because there was a time when, uh, and I mean, even if you you can probably still make an argument that USC historically is the best producer of offensive tackles of any school uh, in the country. I think there's maybe uh, six or seven, you know, with Tony Baselli going in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this past year, I think there, there's like six or seven Pro Football Hall of Fame tackles uh, who went to USC. Uh, but, you know, if you look at, at recent years, uh, at sort of various recruiting rankings out in California specifically, which obviously feeds uh, pretty much the entire Pac-12. You know, it's not like there isn't still dogs out there at various positions. You know, there's a lot of five stars in California for sure. No one, no one saying anything about that. But you know, like last year, you were getting to like the 26th pl- player in the state before you got an offensive lineman. I think that's interesting. And I think that's also something that was on my mind when you saw USC and UCLA going into the uh, going into the Big Ten, you know, potentially mm-hmm. getting into that Midwest footprint, which, you know, uh, we know maybe produces – there's just bigger people there. That's <laughs> yeah. really all it is. There's just bigger people there. Um, yeah. And I know uh, Lincoln Riley has sort of come out, and I think this is wise. You know, I would probably do this in the same situation, even if it's – I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I don't want to – project on what he's actually thinking but he's like nah there's damn good offensive line out here in california i don't know what you're talking about which i think you know you need to do to have a level level of equity you know uh with that coaching community but i just wonder um you know where if you could expand on a little bit of sort of the the light in the ass stuff you were talking about um you know as it relates to uh you know usc and ucla i guess in particular um i don't know as far as like uh like Corey Foreman, so the so so the way USC defense is structured, I just thought Corey Foreman 
Corey Foreman was like playing out of position, right? Sure. I think Corey Foreman is it's fit for a four-man front and not necessarily a three-man with the hangovers because mm-hmm. he's a speed rusher guy. He he likes to get he likes to get to uh, get to the quarterback and pass rush. So in this case, when you got the three three uh, three man front, you want like mm-hmm. big tree stumps, right? Yeah. So when they I had him at like the four eye, yeah. So which is not he's light, like he can't like take on like six hundred pounds of mass constantly. Mm-hmm. That's not his game. So you want to get a bunch of tree stumpers. So like I take it for example, like uh, Alabama back in the day when they had Terrence Cody, Jesse Williams, sure. um. And uh, uh, Jesus, what is his name? Uh, Marcel Darius, those mm-hmm. guys, like back in the day, like just big, tough, strong, like 300 pound guys that can take on that, that beating constantly. Like, that's that takes a lot. Like, we want to like play that way. Like, you have to be able to have guys that, that has the the potential, or even if you get a, a freshman that's like 270 or mm-hmm. like. 280 and like has the potential to put on weight and get stronger, get bigger, get faster. That's fine. But like you got a bunch of guys that are like 260, 275, 280. Like that's mm-hmm. not going to work. Especially when you play like teams out in the Midwest. That, that definitely won't work in a run game. So yeah, man, like West Coast guys yeah. just not, it's not to say that they're not good. It's just like they're not like, you know, like that, that mm-hmm. brute strength. Like they're not, like you don't necessarily know them for having that brute strength rawness like that yeah that just that yeah like i don't know it's just different like in the south sure. you see it a lot in the midwest you see it but it's like the west coast is kind of like uh you have some guys that can do it but then again you got but majority of the guys are like that lean body type uh like speed like speed rushing like mm-hmm. you know gets the quarterback like that's just they're known for how it was not necessarily like what we see at georgia today yeah yeah, you know, that that sort of makes me think Stanford last year, which traditionally, you know, when they were at their at their peak as a program, were sort of known for that that three down uh front with, you know, just some some big old uh tree trunks, <laughs> trees trunks, right. as you say. You know, that that's what they were doing. And I think they got to a point where they just didn't have a lot of that on their roster. Um and but they did have a few few guys who were fit that California, you know, uh speed rusher archetype. Um, and I think, you know, that's probably something that you could you could see in the future for USC as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we we got a lot of spring spring games flying around, but we also have a, a lot of players flying around. You know, here in the uh, the uh, the spring transfer window, you know, it's sort of a a interesting kind of you know new uh, sort of element to the college football calendar that, you know, we're sort of still getting used to, but there's already been a lot of player movement or at least players uh, declaring their intention to to transfer to a new school that, that we've seen. So uh, is there anyone, you know, that that so far has, has surprised you or you think is uh, someone who's going to be able to make a major impact somewhere else? Um, I think the, the first person that comes to mind is Barry Alexander um, out of Georgia. Um, I yeah. think – this he was he was one of the kids I talked about on the pod. I think one of, mm-hmm. I think our first episode I think we yeah. talked about yeah we did him and Michael Williams. Um, I thought this kid was going to be, uh, the next the next Jalen Carter, just up next reloader. But whoever gets this kid is going to get a generational talent almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kid he's a he's a very special talent. I mean the way he gets off the ball, he's young. 
Um, he's strong. He's explosive off the ball. Um, he's able to hope be a, be a two guy, be a true yeah. tree 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 trunk, as we would like yeah. to say, tree stump over here, as we would like to say on the transfer portal. Um, he's going to be a guy who gets to. He's going to be he's going to be a guy who's going to be a, a great nose for a linebacker, uh, keep him clean, get get right to the ball. I think he's going to be a he he's going to be a tone setter for a defense. Uh, he's going to be a, an immediate impact player. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where where I see him going. Um, I think from from what I've heard uh, around, he might be headed to a certain school on the West Coast. I'm not going yeah. to say the school. Yeah. But that as well. He, yeah, so I, I don't know how it is, but I think all heads might be might be headed that way. So if this school gets them, I think they could be potentially in, in the hunt for some for mm -hmm. some hardware, maybe. So yeah. I mean it's just interesting to see. Let, let's just see how it goes and let's just see if he goes there. And if he goes there, we'll be talking about it on the portal. Yeah. I mean, I think he's obviously a no doubt pro, you know. Uh and I really I don't I, I I have no idea, you know, sort of the circumstances of, of why he's leaving Athens. Um, you know, got no reason to try and sort of guess at that. But uh it is it is wild that you see, you know, a player of, of that level of talent, you know, in a program that's now produced is going to have produced, you know, the three uh first round defensive tackles in two years. Um, you know, sort of move on, but as you mentioned, for whatever reason, he is, you know, a player that for, especially for a team that's in a position to compete right now, maybe on that bubble, maybe on that border. Um, he's certainly a team, a player that, that can change your program in that way, just in what he gives you, you know, in the middle of the defense and just how that completely changes the math um, for, you know, the, uh, the, your opponent on just how they, how they can prepare for you and, you know, how they can sort of, uh you know, account for bodies in the run scheme. So I think that uh, he's going to be a massive, a massive help to, to wherever he goes. Um, now, another sort of a younger guy, um, maybe a little, a little less proven. You know, there's a, there's a lot of very interesting sort of um, possibilities of sort of high level players in the portal. But, uh, you know, one guy who I was really interested to, to follow his career um, is Elijah Brown uh, from Alabama. I believe he, he graduated from Heber Heights, Wayne in Ohio which is, you know, a real, a real powerhouse in, in the, uh, the Dayton area. It's where Braxton Miller went, you know, a number of other, uh, you know, particularly Ohio state, um, you know, sort of standouts have been from, and he ended up going to Alabama. He was, uh, you know, a top, maybe like, I want to say top five tight end for crew coming out of coming out of high school. Uh, and essentially just, you know, went through his redshirt process, went through the spring, probably, you know, uh, wasn't digging his role and he he's gone as well and he's in the portal and so um i think he's a really high level talent i think he's got sort of the tools um you know as, as a as a uh receiver to be a pro um i think you know i just am looking forward to seeing him on the field um i i was really interested in seeing what he was going to look like um at alabama and you know when Tom Marie's got there and you're sort of thinking about, okay, you know, 13 personnel Bama is, is around the corner. I, I, he was sort of a guy that I hadn't had in my mind, but uh, you know, he's going to go somewhere else. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be with the bucks <laughs> trying to compete, uh, compete there. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, if it's a little bit ends up being a little bit of a homecoming. I mean, I'm sure that uh, 
I'm sure that Scott Satterfield at, at Cincinnati will make a, a even stronger push. That would be a uh, gigantic win for them. You know, if you wanted to come real close to home, you know, Wayne is like uh, maybe like 30 minutes, you know, up, up the highway from, uh, you know, the University of Cincinnati's campus, something like that. It's not far. Um, so he, he's certainly an interesting player. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, the uh, real uh, standout running back, uh, Jackson State, last year. Uh, I don't want to butcher this young man's name, but I think it's uh, Sivion Wilkerson. Um, you know, he was super, he was super productive, um, throughout his career there. He was, you know, first team all swack last year. Uh, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be a guy, um, you know, to, to watch, see where he ends up. I know, um, Colorado's had a lot of guys leaving the portal. Uh, so potentially he's going to be looking to reconnect with, uh, with Dion at Colorado, you know, a lot of interesting things going on there, uh, right now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, is, is there anyone else, you know, sort of, sort of that's been standing out to you so far? Um, I would say probably Brendan Thompson, uh, yeah, that's right of Texas. Um, obviously he's a top 100 player uh, coming out of high mm-hmm. school. Um, we watch, I mean, not a lot of film on him at Texas, but when you yeah. watch him coming out of high school, like you see the physical tools that he has, um, good pass catcher, um, solid route runner. Um, if he can go to a place where he can kind of get his game off a little bit, um, maybe go to Fresno State, so somewhere like, like somewhere on the lower level. He doesn't necessarily go to another big school to uh, obviously be able to showcase his talent. Um, I think a school like you know, like like I said, Fresno State or any of those like small mm-hmm. schools, like probably North Texas would probably be a good one. Uh, maybe even Troy. Yeah, um, yeah Sun Belt. Yeah, Sun Belt. Like, yeah, go somewhere we can get his game. Out. I think he has the uh, talent to be a draft pick. Um mm-hmm. so it just depends on how whoever gets him and how he's developed over the course of time or over the program he chooses. Uh, I think it'd be a great fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know big loss uh, uh for Texas A and M. Uh Matthew Wyckoff who was you know an uh, a freshman starter for them uh you know really pr- really productive was sort of on the SEC's all freshman team or whatever. He's on the move. Uh, which I think is really tough to see because I think we we've discussed you know uh, the trenches was an area that really needed to improve for Texas A and M. So I don't know what the story is there. You know that that's a guy who I think you you would anticipate to be uh, to be a penciled in starter who's on the move. Um, so obviously you know someone's going to be getting a, a, a he's a gigantic for the position. Uh, you know a north of six six guy. Um, playing center. So that's going to be an interesting guy to follow, probably going to land at another high major school. Um, you know, beyond that, it seems like uh, a lot of sort of the, uh, as you mentioned with uh, Brennan Thompson and, you know, I was speaking on uh, Elias Brown from Alabama. It seems like it's a lot of these sort of, you know, high, high level recruits that are sort of moving on in this window versus, you know, being sort of the more coveted players in this window versus uh, maybe in the winter window, it was guys who, had had a, a higher level of production already and potentially maybe a higher level of tape on them to walk into the portal with, uh, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, uh, another guy that uh, I do want to mention, because I think this is a really massive loss for his team, is uh, Jaheim Thomas out of Cincinnati. He was a, um, a very, very experienced linebacker for the Bearcats, played in over 27 games, was, you know, a starter 
for them last year and was sort of, you know, seen as kind of one of their core guys, especially going into this new regime. Um, you know, and linebacker is such an important position uh, for them. You know, they asked them to cover a lot of ground and he was really sort of kind of the pro, exactly what I think about when I think about, you know, uh, different linebackers that they've come had be productive for them, especially in like the last three years. You know, I, I thought that he was going to be able to step into that role, um, you know, as kind of the, you know, one of their maybe two best players on their defense, uh, especially in their front seven. So someone, someone else is going to be getting a very good player. I, I, I would not be surprised to see him land with uh, a big 10 school, maybe, maybe in sort of the outside of that, that top four uh, or five, you know, sort of big 10 spots, but, uh, but yeah, interesting stuff for sure. Um, I mean, sort of, uh, you know, how do you see like with this, this window, you know, um, for different schools and sort of different levels, you know, the different sort of parts of our college football ecosystem, you know, what, what are they sort of thinking about, you know, at, at this time of year in terms of their, their roster building? I mean, that was different more so than ever, especially from when I came out of college. Sure. Like, this is basically like the free agency period almost, mm-hmm. if you would like to call it that. Um, Like, guys are trying to go find and do what's best for them, and coaches are trying to do what's best for their teams that can keep their job. So, at the end of the day, it's going to be business decisions made, whether it's good or bad. Um, I think it just, as far as, like, from a player standpoint, I'm going to speak up from uh, a player standpoint here, I think it just depends, man, on the classification. Like, if you're a freshman and this is your first spring, like, give it at least another to your south to um, spring semester your sophomore year to really figure out, like, is this the team for you? Or if mm-hmm. you're a, a, a right now, if you're an upperclassman and you haven't really gotten your your chance to to shine, and if you're at Auburn or Alabama, you're a, a redshirt junior, you haven't touched the field yet. I think it might be time for a reality check and just kind of look yourself in the mirror and say, man, let me humble myself and let me go reach out to uh, a Sunbelt school or a Mount West school or, hell, if, if you want to go to an OVC, uh, OVC and FCS, like, go, like, don't be too prideful, man, and just try to go to another big school. Like, don't do that. Like, if you want to play football, go play football. Like, it does not matter uh, for – it does not matter about the uniform. It does not matter about the logo. What it matters about you and you get being able to be on the field, not just being on the field, but being able to produce and show what you have. So let's just say you may get an NFL chance. You know, I mean, we all, I mean, all these kids want to have a shot to go to NFL. Put yourself in that position to go do that. I think too many kids are too prideful to 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 say that they may be they may they may have come out of high school as a five star SEC Big Ten type of caliber player. But when it all is said and done, you haven't touched the field, so you may have to go down a level and go play yeah. and, and go and go try to see, man, if you can go get a roster spot at one of these uh, smaller schools. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, freshmen that's jumping in the portal after your first year of college, now, nah, I, I mean, I think you're making a big mistake, honestly, because you haven't really got a chance. Like, that, that coach doesn't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. You haven't put no time in the program. So he's supposed to just well, you come, he recruited you, you come in um as a freshman, and he has a running back that's a senior, a senior, and junior, that's in a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. And he's just supposed to just skip over those guys for, for you. Nah, it don't work like that. Humble yourself, get get to learn how to get acclimated to the uh, college football, 
learn how to play, learn how to play football, learn about football. Mm-hmm. And then like as you go throughout the journey, then you go and make the decision. So about maybe sophomore, you know, probably spring spring semester your sophomore year, then you can probably make that decision to try to say, Oh, let me man, it's not working out. I got a little bit of film. Uh let me just see see let me put some feelings out there and, and go. Now, when you put your name in the portal, that's it. Like there is no mm-hmm. jumping back to it. I mean, some programs have that, you know, yeah. hey, come back, but most programs that want to win and are and are like and are and are like next man up, you ain't going back. So you're going to be able to take a risk. There's guys still in the portal from a year ago mm-hmm. that still ain't found a home. Yeah. So you're going to so you're going to take a risk. So I get it, risk it a biscuit. But at the end of the day, man, I mean, it's a business. I mean, we we've always said this before nil, and now we're saying it now. It's it's, it's a business at this level. So you got to do what's best for you. And like I said, the coaches go do what's best for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I think so. an area that I'm really interested in sort of with just kind of in general uh, is how, how the FCS level is, is sort of fitting into the uh, into sort of this, this new ecosystem. I um, mean, you know, are there a few some sort of some surprising uh, transfers from those schools? I think especially going through the spring season, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm just really interested in sort of uh, – you know, I I'd love to talk to uh to you know some athletes who sort of utilize this this window um to sort of sort of think about you know what how how that that is working out and sort of what that calculus looks like for them when you're going through winter conditioning with a team you're going through uh the spring workouts for a team and now coming you know sort of on the other side of that uh and lo- and looking to move on um you know obviously like the ecosystems work in all sort of ways you know you're you're Sunbelt teams are losing guys, your your SEC teams are losing guys, you know, so there, there's a, a flow of players, you know, throughout the different levels for sure. And a lot of them, as you mentioned, are transferring down. You know, it's a lot more likely that you're going to be the guy um, who's transferring down. And I think that's been something that's been really great for a lot of, you know, guys who, you know, aren't necessarily pros uh, with regards to like their the graduate year. And with their COVID ed- eligibility, like there's been a whole, whole bunch of dudes who've gotten free masters. Uh, you know, and maybe like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe like, hey, you made like fifteen hundred, three thousand dollars in nil money. Like that, that's cool. You know, you you got that. So I think that's a that is a a interesting development to the sport, and I think does raise the overall uh, caliber and quality of football at that level. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that that's an interesting uh you know, part of, part of the, uh, the ecosystem that, you know, as I think maybe in like, I, I can feel confident that we need like two more full sort of season cycles to really, uh, for, at least for me to feel like I have, you know, sort of my bearings on, you know, what I can expect, you know, sort of, or, or when I, when I hear player uh, players transferring and, you know, you're never, you know, people my age are fickle, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's always going to be all sorts of, reasons that individuals will will seek different opportunities and of course as you mentioned um you know potentially in that time of those three years we could get more clarity and standardization on what type of uh nil compensation is expected at different levels um you know maybe we get that (laughs) uh you know which would certainly i think um you know clear some things up but yeah, it's there's going to be a lot more players on the move in the next uh 
you know, throughout as long as this window is open, as more teams are sort of concluding their spring season. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, I guess to, to wrap it up, you know, are there any schools, you know, on your mind where you're seeing them? Uh, you know, we mentioned, you know, USC uh, as one, We, you know, are there any other schools that, that you think are sort of potentially on that borderline um, or potentially, you know, just are in desperate need of portaling up <laughs> that you think, you know, should be looking at a few of the players we've talked about? I mean, I think it's, I think Northwestern should be one. I think Northwestern probably needs a major roster update. I mean, we need talent. I mean, we we have talent. Don't get me wrong, but it's all it's not it's 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 okay to have some star power here, right? I, I feel like you know if some lonely booster who has like I don't know maybe like a three million dollars laying around, you know, you can give it to Barry Alexander, come mm-hmm. on to Northwestern, you know, come play some football up here. I mean. Why not? It's the greatest city in the world. Come, just come play here. You know, Evanston. Yeah, you you don't have to go to like California and all these other week. No, you come there to you Chicago. Go. You know, <laughs> but no, but it's it. I think Colorado is probably one. Yeah, um, hits the background here. Uh, it's probably sure. one who is not shying away from the portal. Uh, yeah. who is not afraid to kick kids off, and if they are not meeting up to coach prime standard. He is not afraid to tell them. Um, yeah. I think that they're probably this. This is going to be an interesting portal season. I think um, these guys are probably going to reach out to a few standout guys. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, we didn't talk about one guy in particular though, who who is in the portal is Ajayi Hall. I, I wonder why he's still in the portal. I've heard some things, but I'm mm-hmm. not really. I'm kind of skeptical as to why. Right. He's a he's a very talented kid. I would love him. I will the school I would really love to see him at is at Purdue with Hudson Card. Yeah, I think that would be. I think that would be phenomenal. I think uh, Coach Waters. I think Ryan Waters need to make that call and see what's to it. Um, I don't know, but back to Colorado. No, I, I think that I think those guys are definitely trying to are using the portal to its advantage. Um, obviously, Colorado's in a major in in need of a major roster haul. Um, just going one and eleven. I mean, obviously, Dion literally has sure. nothing. He, he has no pressure to quote unquote win. If he wins two wins, if he has two wins next year, he did his job. They improved. But we don't. Yeah, Dion, you we, know, I was <laughs> right. Like I was thinking that too. You know, like I was very like you know. It's going to take time, but just some of, some of the levels of excitement that I've seen, you know, around this program. I mean, they sold out their spring game. They've already sold out their season tickets. You know, uh, I think there is like he's brought expectations, uh, you know, and so I think you're, you're absolutely right. You know, they're kind of the perfect candidate, you know, to do to try and do that uh, fast, you know, year one, like, let's get something go in some mm-hmm. type of proof of concept right away. Uh, which is, I think, you know, I think we've seen that that's something that, that can work, you know, like uh, I, I, obviously it's probably not year over year. You don't want to be bringing in, you know, 20 plus new, new faces into the portal um, or through the portal, I should say. But uh, I mean, I think they're going to be looking to bring in a, a lot of guys, you know, um, like you said, one through 11, Um you know, the University of Indiana is a is a team that tried this last year. Uh, and it, you know, they improved a little bit, like they were better than they were in 21. Uh, but they're they've also had some tough, 
losses uh, in the portal. Um, you know, they had, uh, you know, their highest recruit in the history of the school. Uh, peace out to Oklahoma, which which is tough, you know. Um, and I think it's sort of, you know, a good example of just like, you know, kind of sort of the the burden on kind of the mid-level, um, you know, power five is sort of when you have, you know, when you get talent, it just, it doesn't mean what it did, uh, you know, five years ago. Uh, and, you know, how enthusiastic fan bases can be about high school recruiting. I think it's not like it doesn't matter. Obviously, it, it matters tremendously, especially for building your depth and building your culture. Um, but it's it's just something something that's tough. So, you know, I think a lot of these teams, you know, in the uh, sort of the lower halves, maybe of the uh, of the power five conferences that are, are maybe looking at someone who was a top 100 recruit. Um, you know, top 150 recruit that didn't work out at the high, high major. Um, I think that th- these, those are the types of players that, you know, they should really be going after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think we've, we've already seen uh, some players that sort of fit that archetype, you know, go to uh, other places and, and be successful. I mean, one just out top of mind from some of the draft stuff uh, I've been doing is what uh, Siaki Ika, who started at LSU um, as like a top, you know, number one player in Utah ended up at LSU, didn't work out, ended up having a great career at Baylor, which, you know, it's probably above, you know, sort of the, the especially going into, you know, that, that office maybe potentially above sort of what I'm describing. But I think it, it's an archetype that uh, that we've seen work. Um, and I, if you could land these guys as, a, you know, a Purdue, which, you know, also, you know, had a, had a solid year, I feel good about their trajectories program in general. But I think, you know, that's sort of a, a type of player that uh, if you're a fan of, um, you know, a program that maybe ranks somewhere from 30 to, to 60 or whatever, I think that, that that's something that you should be looking out for. Yeah. I definitely think one thing that's actually getting lost in the shelf, I think, um, when it comes to recruiting is junior college recruiting. I think junior college still serves some of the sure. best football products uh, post-high uh, school that they, they – that they, that they can have. Um, junior college kids just are branded differently than transfer portal kids because me being a, a JUCO product myself, uh, being a student assistant um, at Scottsdale Community College, like I, I, I appreciate uh, junior college football to the fullest. I think those mm-hmm. kids are just hungry. They're more hungry about the process. Sure. They love football. They're try- they have nothing, especially when you go to some of these uh, like non-scholarship JUCOs like yeah. in California, like they go through a lot just to try to get a scholarship. Sure. So, and I think that I, I hopefully it doesn't get overshadowed in the process. That's a good but point. I still think, but I still think there's serviceable guys down there at the junior college level. Um, that that kids, I mean, that that schools need to go look at for sure. If you if you can't get a portal kid, go definitely take a look at a junior college kid if he has the grades. Yeah, yeah, you know that that's that's definitely a a good point to raise. I mean, obviously you're going to be getting. Uh, recruit someone with a very different mindset if they were a you know a four star that didn't work out at LSU yeah. versus you know a guy who's been living in Garden City or you know driving driving from an uh, an hour from his mom's house you know to go go play football for a school without dorms or you know some a lot of uh, a lot of things you mentioned I mean um, yeah so can you I, I'm I'm curious you know can you tell me a little bit more of of your experience sort of working with that program. <laughs> So yeah, well, so that was my first time. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I got some stories, all right. <laughs> uh, no, but we. I mean, coming out of uh, when I stopped playing football after my freshman year of college, I instantly got into the uh, recruiting game, um, trying to help kids get scholarships. And then I came across this one coach, Coach Steve Weiss. Um, we he was a recruiting coordinator, uh, defensive line coach at Scottsdale Community College. Now I'm back in Chicago at this time, so we're we're still, you know, we back and forth. I help some of these guys get scholarships. And then he wanted to kind of see if he could help me bring me on board to coach college football. I thought it was an interesting college. I thought it was an interesting opportunity at 19 years old to be able to uh, go across go across the country, kind of on my own a little bit. Luckily, my cousin, who or not my cousin, but my best friend, he just transferred from a, a school in the swag. He wasn't really feeling football. I told him, "Man, no, go 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 somewhere else. Go transfer." And then I think everything could work itself out. So. He actually ended up going to the junior college with me. Nice. So luckily, I had a roommate. I didn't have to go through a lot of the things that typical junior college kids had to. Because um, it was funny, like I was, I was his position coach. So when I got there, he, I was a recruit. I was an assistant recruiting coordinator and assistant offensive line coach, um, basically like a student assistant almost. Mm-hmm. Um, doing that, so I was living with my cousin. I was, I was living with my best friend. And like two other players at um, about this time, so sleeping at we have Scottsdale, and if you know anything about Scottsdale, Scottsdale mm-hmm. is like the Beverly Hills of Arizona, so we're yeah. like all we're we're scraping pennies while we also living around wealth, which is kind of yeah, sure. Funny. So you got to wake up at like six. I have to wake up at like five thirty six in the morning for coaches meetings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I barely had a job. Luckily, like I had parents that would help me out. Right. Um. At, at times, I mean, I ended up finding being a uh, uh, working at the cashier at a gas station right up the street, Man. just to try to make it and try to coach college, try to be a college football coach. Um. But yeah, man, you you would hear some of these stories about guys like coming from all all across the country, sleeping in cars. Mm-hmm. Uh. Man, not having food for days and trying to come out here and practice in this in this Arizona heat, man. Yeah. So it's go to class too. Right, and you have to go to class. I have to go to class as well. Yeah. So. You're, you're trying to we're, we're all in this one place and you we're all trying to figure out what's what's next in our journeys while mm-hmm. at the same time we're trying to figure out how do we win games and how do we get scholarships so we can get these kids out of here and how can us coaches get get jobs so we can go into other places potentially um so yeah it, it's it's an interesting dynamic when you think of junior college football because you have to be selfish, and at the mm-hmm. same time, you have to be selfless. So it's an interesting dynamic when you think about it all. Because once, because once you lose a few games, like junior college yeah. kids will will, will kind of like just tune out and not be as focused as they were if they were going undefeated and competing for a national championship. Because mm-hmm. that that first year, actually, we were ranked at one point. We were ranked top five in the country. Mm-hmm. Right, we won. We broke off six in a row. And then we played a team called Eastern Eastern Arizona. They ran this triple option and yeah. it our ass. It just beat our ass. Yeah. And then, and then ever since then we did we just we couldn't pick it up. We won six in a row, then we lost six. And then the last game we played was against Bryce Perkins and Arizona Western. Mm-hmm. And that junior college, that was the best that probably was the greatest football team I've ever seen up close yeah. and personal. Like they had Division One guys all over the place. There was nothing we could do, um. But yeah, man, junior college was fun. I, I, I do. I am appreciative for my experience there. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to coach out of junior college. 
So yeah, man, go 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 recruit some JUCO kid. If you want some dogs, listen, no 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 nil, no none of this. If you don't want no prima donnas, go 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 to the JUCO and go get you a kid right now. For sure, for sure. And well, I'd love love to hear more about it on another episode of <laughs> the Transfer Portal CFB podcast. But that's all that's all we're getting today. Uh, well, thank you, thank you guys so much for joining us. We're here every Wednesday here on our YouTube channel, wherever you find podcasts. Uh, my name is Brendan Hefferton. You can find me on the internet at Hef the Reporter. Uh, Mark, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, I'm always on Twitter at Mark Money underscore underscore. Shoot me a DM for the Thompson College Ball. I'm always here for it. Let's get it. Appreciate your time. We'll be back next week. See you guys.